Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and it will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. This video is sponsored by Blackology Coffee Company. everybody. This is Angela with Honey and Hustle, and this week I'm here with Juan Kingsbury of the Career Blind Spot. Um, here's our first Zoom guest. We're trying something a little bit different for this. Um, so first time kind of meeting someone from across the literal United States. He's in Phoenix, Arizona on the West Coast. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina on the East Coast, but I think he's going to bring so, so much value to you guys. And I can't wait for you guys to meet him and learn more about him and what he does. So hey, Juan, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me and, and for being patient with my uh, muggle or my Luddite technology or lack thereof uh, te- technological experience. So this, this will be fun. <laughs> it's gone good. It's all good. Um, so you are a business coach, career coach with the Career Blind Spot and you founded this organization. So can you tell me a little bit more about um, what you do and the type of people that you serve? Yeah. And, you know, I'll be a little facetious and, and joke about it, but you know, everyone and their mother is a career co- or a coach or a consultant these days, especially um, in the pandemic era. And I, I think that's a good thing, um, or at least it, it could be. Um, but at the end of the day, you you have to provide um, more than value, but someone has to, you know, say, oh, this is worth my bank account or my budget, you know, and um, so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm an executive uh coach consultants business leaders they always have people problems and what i like to tell people is i really don't know a lot about business it's it's itself you know how, how do you become a billionaire or how do you invest and whatnot i'd like to know more but where my specialty is in the people the people that drive us nuts the pain in the rear ends um and so my background started with a bunch of uh, team building workshops so usually do those because, hey, we need to strategize and, and break away from the office or, hey, there's some um, miscommunication, some, some beef in the office. And so that can come about for a lot of different reasons. And from there, it evolved into coaching one on one or um, development or hiring of like, hey, we just had this really bad fit. How do we avoid this? So those same tools that allow me to do team building today allow me to identify the blind spots when people change careers or, or hit a speed bump in their career. So I work on both sides, leaders or even the individual person, um, which can complicate things. But the truth is they um, two sides of the same coin that sometimes don't always hear each other. Yeah. So 
listening is very important. I think listening for a lot of people, listening to yourself, um, encouraging you to listen to your clients and encouraging your clients to listen to the people that they work with. So like, am I really hearing what their pain points are, what their concerns are and where they're trying to go, what their goal is, or am I just hearing what I want to hear? And yeah. then like, <laughs> yeah, and it's so hard because I don't think anyone mishears on purpose, um, but oftentimes those of us explaining ourselves and we've all been this person, we've all been misunderstood. That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. You know, whether we said it or not, we've thought it, you know, a couple of times. <laughs> well, whose who's fault is that? You know, it's like, imagine being a doctor working on a, or working on, but uh, trying to take care of a baby that's sick. The baby can't tell you, you know, and um, so you, to really put yourself in their shoes or, or imagine their environment. And you say something that's super key that I think a lot of people are missing. You're on the East Coast and I'm about... 700 miles short of the west coast but yeah basically on the other side of the country that is a difference you know right now it's 11:20. most people here are having lunch you know you're already post lunch and you're getting sleepy no um and so if i'm saying hey you and i uh, angela are going to collaborate i might be hangry and you might be full or you might be you miss lunch like there's so many other factors to consider and so when you tell me things reading between the lines is really a choice that to stop and think, well, how, how is Angela doing? And, you know, she's in this industry and, and these client and clients, um, you know, to have a business in Phoenix, Phoenix with an O is different than Phoenix, you know, in Alabama with just the E. Um, and so that's always been true, but especially today because people's um, lives are being upheaved, um, like with, you know, back to school. Well, back to school for five-year-olds is different than 15-year-olds, you know, and to empathize is more than just, I'm a parent too. But like, yeah, could you imagine if your kid was 10 years older or 10 years younger? Well, your peer, you know, it's not in the same situation. So that, you know, listening is is definitely key, but also not assuming when you listen is, is, is the evolved form of it. Yeah, absolutely. I could go into a whole thing about assuming things. <laughs> Asking for clarification, definitely a good point to always start at. Whether you know a person or not when it comes down to talking about anything related to business or whatever the case may be. Um, but let's get more into um, business management, business leadership, right? Because this is an important distinction that you make. Just because someone is a manager doesn't mean that they are a good business leader, yes. right? So how do you, one, make that distinction, and then two, try to help people navigate in that space if they are a manager who could be doing a better job at leading? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, the, the base, and I don't look, I think it's easy to, to say, oh, they're not really a leader, they're just a manager or micromanager, whatever. Well, they're still getting paid to do a job. Um, and so when someone's, let's say, just a manager, um, I still have a lot of respect for that person, but that person's a manager and they are obligated to do their job. They want a paycheck and therefore they have to hit these key performance indicators or these responsibilities. And when things go wrong, their rear end is responsible. A manager sees their job that way. I have to. They're obligated. It is the exchange that I make to have a salary or my benefits or whatever it is. Whereas a leader doesn't do things because they have to. Theoretically, yes, I, I have to balance the books or do schedules, but a leader is more forward thinking, but also like think like um, 
running a marathon, but like as a team, they don't necessarily need to be the fastest person, but they need to be aware of who the fastest person is and be aware of who the slowest person is. And maybe the slowest person actually has a bunch of advantages because they're able to see, hey, someone hurt themselves. And so now I've caught up with them. And so let me check in with the slowest. The leader has to be more holistic and it is a choice. And so I think a lot of people have think they're a leader because they're at the top of the food chain. Um, but a leader, here's, here's how you know a leader. A leader has created more leaders, doesn't necessarily have a lot more followers. A leader has people that can make decisions that that leader is confident in, right or wrong. You know what? They, they check the boxes, they, they weigh options. So the big, the simple definition or the simple delineation is a manager has to do their job. A leader chooses to really understand their people and the future, or it's just, it takes the time because leaders still make bad decisions. It's just, they involve, you know, things like diversity and inclusion. Sounds good on paper, but it's harder. Now you're asking people what they think and you're making time for them and maybe they talk slow and maybe they dream big, but that's what a leader does. Whereas a manager, only does what they're required to do. So I want to talk about something that you mentioned that I think is really important for people to understand and for me as a hallmark of a really good leader. And that's that leaders can make bad decisions or make decisions that maybe are not the best, right? Mm -hmm. And they still bear the burden of those consequences. So I think one thing that differentiates a leader from a manager, in my opinion, and one thing that I feel as a hallmark of a leader is when they do make mistakes, those are learning opportunities for them personally. And then as a reflection of their team, how can I guide my team through this? What did we learn? What can we do better next time? How can we apply this to our end goal, right? So like, this is why we did this thing. This didn't work out. How can we continue to get better at yeah. this? And so with the manager, I feel like, okay, we did this thing bad. And then it's kind of like a reckoning of sorts. It's like, okay, this thing went bad. I got burned for it. This needs to not happen again. Whether or not I know how to fix it, whether or not I have any idea of how to move forward is irrelevant, but this is what happened. And yes. I, in, at bare minimum, I recognize that, but um, it's not necessarily a delineation of um, using that as a teaching moment and as a learning moment to move forward with your team. Yeah, and, and that's the, the, the finger pointing. That's the difference. Managers do this, leaders not even do this, but they kind of open their hands, more welcoming. You know, you, we, we want to invite you in where the manager is like, it's time for you to go, uh, <laughs> you know? And uh, and again, I, you need managers, you know, not every job is going to be um, fascinating and super interesting to every person, but hey, right now, if it, if it pays your bills and allows you to, you know, save for a rainy day, that that's a pretty big win. You know, people might not, I said, when, when the pandemic happened, I was like, yeah, a lot of people kind of miss their crappy jobs because they actually paid money. And those people who love their great jobs, but got laid off, I think we can have both. But the only way you're gonna have both is with a leader. As a business coach, right? So you see these type of things all the time. Um, and so what are some potential pain points that you have been able to address with people who are managers that would like to become better leaders? Yes. Um, ooh, so the biggest one, and it's not, and not just these people, but everyone, especially the people that are direct reports to managers or um, ambitious leaders is know what your real job is. You know, at the end of the day, the people who complain the squeaky wheels, uh, or I should say the non-constructive squeaky wheels, usually are defending, that's not my job, I don't do that, or so-and-so did it wrong. Well, 
actually I'll, I'll pick on a different statement. People don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad bosses. I think that's lame. If you have a job that you think is bad or you think is good, but your job is your boss is bad. Well, then you're not telling yourself the truth about the job. That job, that's who your boss is right now. And if you are not changing and adjusting to their style, well, you're not playing ball. And I'm not saying that person shouldn't step up, but hey, you took the job and things change. And this is what I, I, I warn the younger generation. I do some career coaching at a, a ASU. Even if you get the first, your first job is the best job. You got a great manager, a great this, you might get a new manager and they have different expectations. So um, those people who want to be more leaders and managers, the, the difference is the manager does the job that's on paper. The leader does the real job that needs to be done. And, and I'll kind of put a, not an asterisk, but a warning of like, you can't save everyone. You can't, you know, you can't, cut your paycheck like being a leader is not about being the the next messiah and 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 saving everyone um that'd be great <laughs> but you know to, to being a leader to me i'm doing this off, off the cuff but is being kind to people but being honest with them and and having a plan and you know i've seen some great leaders during during the last five six months that laid off people and i was like wow that they didn't have to do it that way and so the difference is that the manager does what they have to do. The leader decides what their real job is and chooses to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to lay off these people or, or tell them they're going to take a pay cut, but I'm going to do it in the best way that I believe. They, a leader pauses and decides their action. A manager reacts to things. Yeah, so right now, speaking of laying off people, I mean, like it's really a time of a lot of hardship for a lot of people because either people are being laid off or you know they've been furloughed and are now back on the job market so as a manager who manager leader someone in a position to hire and fire accordingly um what advice would you give people in this season that are like okay i'm the person that's in charge of making these decisions am i going to rehire people if i'm going to hire new people how am i going to train them what am i going to prepare them for how can i best prepare them and one how can i best prepare myself to you know, reintegrate people into this workforce where things are in large form still very much unknown. Yes. And I, I think that's the, unfortunately, but also the reality of you need to realize, let's, let's do a more um, relatable analogy, how much gas is in the tank. You know, if you have um, no budget and that PPP saved your rear, and yeah, you probably don't want to be bringing back new people to only lay them off in, in two months or three months. And the cost of just hiring someone, not even training them, is so immense. Um, so, and this is not just true for the person who's hiring. Every person who has a job or wants a job, you, you need to get ahead and think, where is the company going? And then you work back down of how does my department associate to that bigger picture? And then how does my job in my department connect to that? The hardest workers, the best performers, they got laid off too. But the people who were not great performers, but their job still affects a bottom line. Let's say I'm going to, I'll pick on like a major uh, credit card company. They didn't keep their reps because, wow, these guys really love their jobs and getting screamed at for collections. No, they keep them because we need people to answer the phone and do these things. That's the first thing is like, how much, how much um, runway do we have as an organization? And what do we need more of to continue? Because right now, you know, pre-COVID, 
people were really trying to be happy, fulfilled, uh, or chasing money, or trying to do both. Um, right now, a large majority, what's the unemployment rate now? Like 23, 24%? Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, fulfillment and, and making more money are really nice to have, but those are cherries on top of a, I need a cake, which is I need to survive. And so if you want to survive, that has to be on a company that that's only going to be at a company that is doing more than surviving. So if you know, like, hey, the, the company froze budgets, you know, a lot of my clients did that, you probably aren't going to be bringing back any anyone time, any, anytime soon. But let's go brighter days. You are now. What my advice to you is train them for the real mission, you know, Simon Sinek start with why, like, why does this municipality exists as a or why does this department in the municipality exist we're here for waste management you know that's not the sexiest thing in the world but that's what we're here for we're here to make sure people's trash gets picked up all the time be clear on the real big picture but then train them for adjusting because i mean literally everyone went remote or more people than ever all at once we could have done that a long time ago <laughs> but people are stuck in their ways and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but because of technology, and this is not me saying this for the first time, your everyone's job is changing rapidly. And if you do not embrace that, you are not a high performer. Um, if you are still somehow a high performer, you, have, you haven't, well, you're gonna be knocked on your rear end when change comes. You know, uh, I was just talking to a buddy who's getting trained. He got laid off, had to get a different job and kind of took a step down, but you know, needs to survive. But he was like, there's all these people who don't know how to use the basic um, like social media or not social media, Google platform. You know, everything's integrated on the cloud. There's people in a company who don't know how to get on the Zoom, who don't know how to protect their um, security on their Wi-Fi. So, you know, be clear on the big picture, but also train them to be flexible in how their role may never change, but could. You know, it's almost like like do fire drills. If this happens, you need to react this way because otherwise everyone's going to run in multiple directions. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really good advice and just guidance for people who are in the job market now. It's like, yeah, you may be getting a job, whether or not that's in your field, debatable, whether or not it pays the bills. Yes. <laughs> probably a lot more important, right? But also how can you future-proof yourself by understanding one of my role is, two, what it could be, and three, the things that I could be doing now to work towards that uh, yes. end goal. Yes, and, and that's the thing is like, it, it's a double-edged sword. I, I work at a, or when things were normal, I was at a co-working space called Galvanize, very tech-centric, uh, a lot of startups, uh, software as a service organ, um, businesses coming together. And I was like, oh, these guys are gonna have growing pains galore, you know, because it's one thing me and you have a genius idea. Now we add a third person, changes the team dynamic. Well, now we're at 10, changes. And there's so many books and articles about, you know, these, these passionate people who then become kind of reluctant leaders. And going back to what you said earlier, entrepreneur, leader, manager, those are very different words. And when you look at um, the typical blog, we kind of blur them together. It's like, no, you look at, Apple, Steve Jobs was a visionary, whether you like him or not, but he had a technical guy who, you know, made master machinery. Then he had, like, he was good at the the, the dealing part of, of technology, the the boldly going where no one goes. And I'm sure he, he knew about tech, but there tends to be a entrepreneur and then a leader in the companies that can kind of scale. 
managers tend to really only exist when there's, um, I shouldn't say only, will exist when there's redundant process. Like we can just do the same thing over and over and, and that's not a bad thing. That's the irony that if you want a steady, steady paycheck, you're probably going to have a lot more solid foundation, which typically means more HR rules, policy procedures. But if you want uh, radical fun and adventure and innovation, well, you do that on a high wire and you may or may not get your paycheck. You can have both, but they kind of go off and in, in, they veer in different directions. And the example I'll give briefly, if you and I were going to go um, play tennis at the park, you know, you need a racket, I need a racket. We need one ball, you know, or I hit hit it over the fence or you do, you know, we can play. We don't need a ref. We don't need rules. We don't need all these things. But if we're going to have a tournament with a hundred players and we're going to invite people now, all of a sudden, maybe people need to pay for parking. We need to have that. Like the more people you have, the more structure you need, the less people you have, the more freedom, but the less structure and stability you can have. And so balancing that is really the, I think the human goal. But for those of us right now who just need jobs, like, yeah, go to the company that pays you the most amount of money for you to do something they need. And my rule is, as long as it doesn't call, cause like physical or mental pain, it's a good job. Being bored is a good thing at work. You know, being unemployed and really smart, unless you're a scientist or a poet, you know, I don't think most of us really want that. Um, what And then kind of add on a whole other thing. If you're bored at work and you have free time, but you get paid well, well, guess what? That's on you, not your manager. A good leader will take advantage of that and say, hey, let's develop you. But I don't like this notion that work is supposed to develop us. I like th that they're supposed to, I think they should. I think they, if they're smart, they do it. But no, someone pay, I, if I pay someone to mow my lawn, um, that's the deal. But if they say, hold on, I'm bored, I wanna do more. I'm like, well, there, that guy has grass too, you know, go to his house. Um, I would love to coach and, and mentor, but like, let's be realistic of what we expect from our jobs, not pessimistic realistic mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree with that i think like i don't know i hope that's something that becomes more standardized as we move forward which is investing in employees investing in talent um yes. and building up what you have now because like you said leaders make other leaders you know what i mean like what good is it to have a bunch of yes men that you can't promote that you can't take with you when you want to scale or grow a business at no matter what level you're at, you know, yeah. um, I feel like in some level that's kind of pointless and maybe too, it's something that's not really talked about. At least it wasn't talked about for me when I was in college. Like I wasn't prepared to like know how to invest myself, invest in myself professionally. You know what I mean? You're going to college for a degree um, and then you figure out the workforce. Right. Yeah. So, um, and entrepreneurship the same way. It's like, I didn't go to school to be, what I am now that's just something yeah. that happened so I had to learn that from scratch which is a whole other situation but it yeah. encompasses a lot of the things that you're talking about learning how to be a leader even if it's just leading myself you know yes. um, learning how to manage my time manage my business learning how to and when to invest in myself what is a good investment of my time energy money resources um, all of these things that like you have to learn separately so I hope yeah. that you know, people start to really think critically about what am I doing now that's preparing me for whatever career path that I want. Yeah, whether... and that's the thing, like, think about if you took this, like you, you work for yourself, you have your business, 
But if someone hired you and then say, do all these, this job, these jobs that you've done for yourself, like you would, you will you don't want to do that for 10 bucks an hour. Now I know there's certain books that say work for free and learn. But the truth is, if you're an adult and you want to live on your own and you want to invest and, and maybe have a house or at least have financial uh, flexibility, we expect to be paid. And that's the thing is, you know, sometimes I even I'm like, is this really worth it? I'm like, Well, someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, there's legal and moral stuff. But like, like, think about like, like cigarettes. You know, we, we, we know they're bad, but yeah. people still buy them. It's a moral question. But hey, if you could go do videos for Marlboro, and they're going to pay you a quarter million. That's a moral issue, but that money's green versus working for a nonprofit that can't pay you squat. And I'm not saying you have to pick, but those, at the end of the day, we all want stability. We want to work hard. I think even the most lazy, bad attitude person, no, I don't, I don't think, I know they want to work hard. The problem is kind of like what you said, you, you know, one really showed you certain things. No one showed them. This is where you thrive. You know, you look at every motivational person, they, oh, I grinded at this. Yeah, but they also kind of found somewhere where they got traction. And there is something of, well, the more you do it, the better. But, you know, I hated CrossFit, so I don't want to do it. Well, part of it, I wasn't good at it. You know, I was better at working uh, weights by myself or, or whatnot. And not to say I never do it, but those people who, who are more successful financially, they tend to find jobs, be it sales, be it management, whatever it is that they can do pretty well, maybe not great. Three things, stability, improve at something, and you act, we all wanna serve. We all wanna be fulfilled, which the wild part is, you don't, that's new. You didn't have to, you know, the, the, the people who built the pyramids weren't being like, what, what do I dream about today? No, they were like, I gotta do this. Or the farmers weren't like, I really love chickens. No, it's like, this is how I earn a living, stability. I can get better at it, make a better profit. This fulfillment thing really isn't new. It's just now we have the time to work on it. And that is individual responsibility. But a smart leader will hire the people who are going to grow at the skills to grow the business. Because I feel like I'm lecturing you now. I'm going to shut up <laughs> after this. But you take a for-profit. You take a non-profit. You take a government agency. You take a, a professional team. They all have the same goal. We're trying to do some type of mission. We have a person in charge, and then beneath that, there's a hierarchy, and then we have people who actually do the legwork. Even in a church, even in a nonprofit, even in whatever it is, well, you need money to do that. You need systems in place, and whether you do it or not, there is a culture. The question is, is the culture actually growing? And here's the unfortunate reality. There's a lot of big, financially successful companies with a lot of drained employees like you can be successful by not investing in people but because of covid we can actually see oh those companies that really um, went to bat for their people not because it was convenient and it made for social media but because you know what we have more than enough money and we just saw that our employee you know has to take the bus and they have three kids like well what if we gave them a livable wage that's their choice but it pays back. And actually Dan Price of Gravity Payments is someone that I, I put on social media. Um, his, when he announced that he was gonna have to lay off a bunch of people or cut salaries, all of his staff volunteered as little as 10%, as much as 100%. That doesn't happen from a manager. That happens 
for, for, for you know, five years are really caring about people, listening, doing the hard stuff. Um, and so blah, 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 <laughs> the, we really need to check our expectation of what our work is. And again, I give another analogy or metaphor, kind of like your friends, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you care about video tech. Well, not all of your friends probably love that conversation. Not that they hate it, but they're probably like, Hey, can we talk about game of Thrones instead? Like you're going to adjust depending on your friend, you have different relationships. The same thing with sometimes the job is just to earn a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with that. Other times it's to grow and to be strategic, but learning how to juggle that to me, that's where we should, that's what we should teach in college. That's what you should have someone I would have liked for me too. would have like, Hey, one, this is why you get a business degree. And you know, you're going to go work at this company or not. Um, so, you know, I think we should not expect that of leader or I'm sorry, of managers because they didn't get it either. So it's kind of like the cheesy thing, be the change you want to see in the world, be the, be the leader you want to see in your workplace. And that's going to be very self driven, but a smart person, a person who makes time for you, that's on you for messing that up. If someone has says, Hey, I want to develop, I want to do this with you. And I know a lot of people do not take advantage of that or I say they overestimate what that is. Like, well, you're not laying out the plan. You're not telling me everything to do. No, this is not school. This is still work. <laughs> you have a job to do. Um, so anyway, Ted talk over. No, no, I appreciate that Ted talk really because it gives a really good perspective for people watching this. You know what I mean? When they are looking at their life and they're saying, okay, I just got laid off, what do I do? Or I just got a job that I don't like, or I've been stuck in a job this entire time that I don't like. And while I don't want to seem ungrateful, I know that there's more that I could be doing and more that I would like to do. Yes. Right? So it kind of meets people where they are, I think, a lot of this conversation. So I really hope people grasp that and really appreciate the value that you've given during this, during you, this interview during this talk. You yeah. got, and, and I love it. And I'll actually, I'll, I'll throw myself on the under the bus this stuff, this interview, my pot, my own podcast, it's me sharing philosophy of what I believe about work. And I love it, but it doesn't pay the bills. Me going out and helping a sales team improve their numbers or helping two uh, executives get along better or, or be heard, people value that. And so um, I'll sum it up this way. To me, we need a new definition of work. Before it used to be, you know, you're a caveman or you live 500 years, it's don't die. You know, you don't become a farmer because you love it. You become a farmer because it allows you to have shelter and food when it's cold and blah, blah, blah. Then with the, the recent boom over the last hundred or so years, we have a surplus. You know, we can have two cars. Cars didn't exist a hundred years ago and now we want two. You know, now we're on a podcast. You know, the, the equipment that it would have cost to do this 20 years ago, no way we do it. You know, unless you're a corporation, you have this stuff. Um, and then, uh, and then now today we actually have time. I think people always wanted to be fulfilled, be happier, but now we actually have time. We were talking about it in works and self-help and book. The, the definition of work that I give people is find a job that pays you to do what you want, or I'm sorry, that pays you to invest in the work that actually matters to you. You know, if I said, hey, will you dig a hole for me every Monday for four hours? You know, most people are going to be like, no. But I always say, I'm going to pay you a hundred grand and I'm evil, but you don't know why I'm evil. Well, what am I going to do the rest of the week? I don't care. Just dig me the hole for four hours as long as you do it. Okay. Now a hundred grand is probably more than what most individual people need, 
it's up to you to put that into something. So do you not take the job because you don't like digging holes and then it's outside and this guy's evil? It's your choice. But to me, that's the future. Take a job that pays you to invest in the work that actually matters to you, whether it be a nonprofit, a, a creative project. We are human beings. We are here to create and make things, not just buy them. But, you know, no one is going to show you how to do that. No self-help book, no um, leader has the exact plan, but you can take little things here and there. But if you're starving or someone in your family is starving, you don't have time to worry about that. So you do need income. But that's where I think the old generations are messed up. But again, no one told them like, hey, you have more than enough money. You have Saturdays and Sundays off. What are you going to do with it? You know, and at the end of the day, it's a your free time. That's how do you repurpose your free time? That's the goal of work. Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think like, I don't know, this could be like a whole separate conversation about how people feel about uh, using your day job to fund your your side hustle and mm -hmm. the negative connotation that gets. But no, I think that's a good note to end it on <laughs> before we get down the rabbit hole of <laughs> that yeah. whole sprout, right? <laughs> that's what you should be doing, you the audience. If you have a job and you hate it or not, um, or it doesn't pay you enough or not. Talk to your friends who are going to help you perpetuate moving forward and progressing. And any friend that hates on it, there's difference between being constructively critical and there's difference between, because I think there's also friends who enable us to just daydream, like, oh yeah, you should make the next Avatar or Titanic. <laughs> like, you know, like, okay, that's good, but you know what? I, I got to pay my bills, so let me, you know. But be mindful that no one's going to invest in your work future. And so without you starting it, you know, and so do that, have that go down the rabbit hole and, and come out, like use the, the job that you go to every day to fuel that, that fire. And because if not, it's working against you and you should probably leave. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh yeah. Thank you so much, Juan. How can people yeah. get in touch with you? So you can go to my site, careerblindspot.com. Um, real basic page. Actually, our, our mutual friend, Stephen Fies, uh, built that page. Um, additionally, there's a podcast you can find on uh, Spotify or Apple podcast. And then I'm learning how to post on social media. <laughs> and so uh, Instagram at careerblindspot.com as well as uh, LinkedIn. Actually, just look for me, Juan Kingsbury. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and I'd love to, to talk. Uh, I do, I do some coaching, but mainly working on leaders helping guide the, those career gaps that their their future high performers and high potentials have yeah awesome awesome thank you so much for coming to us virtually for this awesome awesome episode and being our guinea pig our first zoom <laughs> i love being a guinea pig that is one of my favorite things i always wanted to just full-time dedicate myself to science like here take this pill see what i don't happens. know about that yeah. i don't know about no. that one <laughs> i know see, that's why i would like to <laughs> but I think they do pay well, but probably not enough. I don't think the guinea pigs can spend that money. So. Yeah. I will say I, I won't take any COVID vaccine. I don't want to be first. See, consider, not, consider it, but not. <laughs> you're not a real guinea pig one. You're not a real. True. You call me. Up. All right. Yeah. Fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, let me know how you guys feel about this new setup. Let me know if you guys uh, want to see more stuff like this. And yeah, just keep watching. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye.